What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. It's your boy, John of the Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast. Um, as some of you know, if you read my newsletter, I am indeed on vacation this week, but I had to take some time because it's rare that um, I, I mean, I enjoy every guest that I have on the pod, obviously, but like to to speak to someone who kind of has a real true, um, not only a behind the curtain look at a lot of the stuff that goes on in the league, but more importantly, just understands basketball better than most people. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. So joining me today, uh, longtime NBA trainer, Sean Farmer. Sean, um, you are indeed in Chicago for All-Star Weekend. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I am in Chicago at the moment. <laughs> at the moment. How how are things? What is it like to be? I've, so I've never been to an All-Star game or like an All-Star Weekend. What's it like when you're someone, you know, who... You know, you know a lot of people, and and people recognize you. They yeah. know you. What's it like to to kind of travel around all these events, um, like in a weekend like this? Well, it if it wasn't for my ten year old, I probably wouldn't be here. Pandemonium. <laughs> I mean, it is it is brutal just watching grown men run behind NBA players. Uh, this is my second one, actually. I was at the All-Stars a game in 1995 in San Antonio. And uh, I vowed never to attend another one. And <laughs> here, I am, here I am again at another one. So I guess I won't, I won't make that uh, statement anymore. But I, I know a lot of people, as you, as you stated, and, you know, I just, like I said, I'm here because ten my ten year old, uh, just to give him that experience and expose him to, and maybe you know if he want to come back strong in his life and bring his son back, hey, my ass off to him. But it's up; it, it'll be entirely up to him. I, I was about to say maybe 25 years from now he'll bring his son and then he could keep the keep the tradition going once every once every uh, 25 years. Yeah, because it's been. When, uh, 95 to now, my math isn't that great, but <laughs> around 15. Mine isn't either. I, I think it's 25 or whereabouts. Um, so we'll get to the we'll get to the Knicks in a bit, but I just always like to take a second whenever I have someone who is in your line of work on the podcast because I find the stories of how people get into training um any athletes but especially basketball players i always find these stories fascinating so do you mind if like we you know you tell us a little bit of how your story and and how you came to kind of be in the position that you're in yeah well i 
I started, uh, I I was bored, actually. That's how I, how I started. I, I played in Europe for nine years uh, between Poland and Belgium. I came home, uh, my last contract, I was in Venezuela in 2001. I was in Caracas way before all this big government fallout, uh, I guess, between citizens of Venezuela and all the stuff that's going on over there now and in the past year. Uh, I finished up a two, two month contract over in Venezuela, came home, uh, took up golf, uh, and just got bored. I had money saved and just trying to figure out what would be my next move. And I uh, walked in the gym uh, in my hometown, which is uh, Greenville, North Carolina, uh, where I'm from, born, raised. And I saw this dad over teaching his kids. Well, not, let me rephrase that. He had about three or four kids over there, one was, which was his kid. And I was up top because I was running laps. And I looked down and I saw him training his kids and he was doing it all wrong. <laughs> and it just like, it just burned me up. So I, after I got through my lap, I went down. They, they were actually doing some footwork stuff. Uh, and he was teaching the wrong footwork. And then I oh asked him, could I, yeah, I asked him, I said, you know, do you mind if I, you know, try to, you know, connect with the kids, et cetera, et cetera. He's like, no, sure. I don't know anything about it. I'm in pharmaceuticals. I never forget it. And I'm like, yeah, pharmaceuticals, I'm basketball trainer. I'm just sitting there thinking about that. Like, come on, dude, that's what's wrong with the world of basketball. Too many, too many dads and moms. Yeah, yeah. They know the game. So, so I stayed there, man, for about two hours with those kids. Then it became a weekly thing. And I just, and that's how I started. They were like eight, nine year olds. And, and that's how I started. And so I, I noticed I was, you know, reading your your bio online, and I, you've really, it seems like, in addition to obviously working with older athletes, um, and, and you know, guys who are in the NBA now, um, you've really stuck with that kind of, you know, working with younger players as well. It seems like over the years. Oh yeah, I uh, I I work. That's my foundation. So. You can't get away from that. I mean, I have I work with a ton of young kids now, some of the best players in the state of North Carolina. And that's pretty much, you know, because it's hard to really travel. And, you know, I travel for pros and, and college players. But uh, high school kids, you know, if you're not really like in my area in the state of North Carolina, I don't I don't pretty I don't mess with you in, unless you can get there to me in the summer. Gotcha. Uh, but, yeah, I, I still – uh, mentor and work with uh, the younger younger generation. Living with chronic pain is the worst. It's more than a feeling of discomfort. It could affect your whole life. I know many of my listeners probably have some type of that pain that has prevented them from either relaxing, sleeping, or stopped them from exercising. Perhaps it's even been ongoing for a few weeks now and hasn't improved with any of the treatments you've tried. Enter Omax Health. If you're looking to get rid of nagging muscle and joint pain immediately while providing long-lasting recovery, then you need to try the natural breakthrough pain relief solution, CryoFreeze CBD Roll-On developed by Omax Health. It's non-prescription, triple-action pain relief roll-on, especially formulated to block pain receptors, reduce inflammation, and improve muscle and joint flexibility. The best part is it's 100% natural. CBD-powered remedy works its magic within 10 minutes of application and relief lasts up to eight hours and much longer than over-the-counter products. Omax Health is offering 
My listeners only, 20% off a full bottle of cryo-free CBD pain relief roll-on plus free shipping. You can't beat that. The discount also applies towards any product statewide. Just go to omaxhealth.com today and enter code OVERTIME. That is O-M-A-X health.com and enter code OVERTIME to get 20% off cryo-freeze and site-wide. So um, a lot of fans maybe probably... Uh, may not have been familiar with you until you popped up on a couple of videos um, that Ian Bagley put out in SNY earlier this season. So I figured that's a, as good a starting place as any. You did a couple of videos. You did one on RJ Barrett, another one on Frank Nilakina. Um <laughs> The RJ one, I, I first of all, it was awesome to see someone who actually knows what they're talking about analyze his shot because everybody always talks about his jump shot as being this like make or break skill for him, but nobody really knows what they're talking about. Um, I feel like that video was a, a, maybe a couple months ago or a month or a month and change. It was a uh, month ago. It was a month. It was about a month. Okay. And then he, he missed some time and now he's back. You, you had a lot of really specific things that you mentioned. Like he wasn't squaring up. His lead foot yep. was ahead. Um, his head wasn't always yep. stationary, stationary, kind of jumped forward at, at times. I, I, this is a two part question. The second part I'm, is more general about, shooting and shooting coaches in the NBA, but just specifically with RJ at first, um, is are these things that Knicks fans should feel like, okay, he's going to figure this stuff out, or are these like big-time problems? Uh, it could potentially be big-time problems if you don't take heed to those obscure points about how to shoot the jumper properly. Uh I, I I don't know RJ. I know his agent really, really well, uh, Bill Duffy. And uh, I actually sent Bill Duffy the video, which, you know, when you get to that level, these guys got their own guys. And I'm not trying to step on anybody's toes by any stretch of the imagination. But uh, to answer your question, uh, he's got to take heed at those, those points. Uh, if somebody's not pointing them out to him, they're setting them up for failure, to be honest, in, in my opinion. Because uh, those are very, I, I mean, those things are, I mean, they're so noticeable. I mean, they're noticeable, like, like very, very noticeable. If you really can teach people how to shoot basketball. I mean, everybody has a different philosophy, but those are the basics of shooting, squaring. And, and I got all kinds of feedback from uh, fans in New York about, well, this and that. Well, why is certain you know comparing him to other guys of yesteryears? And I'm like, look, he's not. Some guys can wake up shooting the basketball. They have the <laughs> eye, yeah. the depth perception, all that. But some guys got to work extremely hard at it, and he has to work extremely hard at it to become a good shooter. And those points that I, or the things that I pointed out, are really the starting points for him to really correct. And then, you know, he'll see, he'll progress or evolve in what we would say a, a pretty decent shooter. Uh, RJ is also, you know, he's a stiff guy. He's not a yeah. fluid guy. Yep. I mean, just look at him. I mean, if you know basketball, you know, he's just a straight line, north, south well, type guy. The, the knock I always, I, think, I, I always heard before the draft from our, our draft guy was he didn't have a lot, whole lot of wiggle, I, I guess. Is, would that be a different so, way of putting exactly. it? Exactly. He has. We we call it he has no wiggle whack. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm gonna add that to it. He has no wiggle whack. But RJ is a four. He can become a shooter if 
going back to your question, if he starts to get his hips around quicker on his shot, really keeping his head and his shoulders stationary, getting 10 toes to the target every time consistently over time, I promise you, if he correct those things, I've seen it enough, I've done it enough over and over and over again with guys similar to him, and they became good shooters. So the the part that I find really interesting is something you said about, you know, like you, you mentioned like all of these guys, they they have – um, you know, people around them, right? That that work with them on this stuff. Um, you mentioned you sent sent Duffy the video. I one thing that I wonder is like, okay, so you look at wh- who's the most successful or what's the most successful basketball organization in the last twenty years? It's the Spurs, right? Spurs obviously have yeah. Ch- Chip England, yeah. their shooting coach there. I I wonder, yeah. like, it, why? Or maybe maybe you're going to tell me that something different and that this shouldn't be the case. But like, why doesn't M- every NBA team invest in a shooting coach such that like RJ Barrett and whoever else, like they don't need to rely on their guy, f- for instance, or am I living in like a you fantasy know, world? <laughs> no, you're, you're not living in a fantasy world. We guys that I talk to in this business on a, on a, on a weekly basis, guys that I trust, guys that I'm, I'm very fond of and, I have a lot of respect for in the way they teach the game of basketball. Uh, a good friend of mine is Jeff Harris out in Portland, Oregon, who's really a phenomenal teacher. And we have similar, uh, we're similar in philosophy. And we talk about exactly what you just talked about. Like, guys, that's where you get these guys better. You, because you got to get them out of their comfort zone, number one. Number two, you take pages out of, I mean, it's copycat league, right? Sure. You would, you would think that they would take pages out of San Antonio and, and, and all these other people's books. But it's, it's, it's amazing to me that they don't. Like, I think that, you know, they, they invest in all these analytics and, and they try to change or what I say, they try to reinvent the wheel and small. And I, and I get that. And I, I'm, I'm for that instances but i think that we can have better shooters if if we if if nba teams put more emphasis on that in their organization like really get a get a a staff that that really can get kids or get players better like shooting the basketball if you want to play you want to shoot the three and go by these analytics okay let it all work together let's if sure. we hire guys that are really brilliant minds and numbers and crunching numbers and doing all these analyze, analyzing all these different positions. And so let's get some of the best teachers in the organization. Yeah. And, and, and teaching like, how to shoot, shoot the ball properly. We were, you know, I, I mean, I'm thinking about the Knicks and they have, I think, Mike Vorkanoff, who writes for The Athletic, had it in, in his column the other day about how I think they have like five of the bottom 50 players in effective field goal position or effective field goal percentage who have, you know, played a, a certain amount of minutes. It's, and, you know, and, and then. And let me stop, let me stop yeah. right there. If, if we're going to look at all these numbers, right? Yeah. Why, if we're in the bottom 50, so you said the, the numbers came out at 50%. I think they, no, I the think they had. 50? I, I, I 
I should I should go look it up. But I want to say they have a, above a certain minute threshold. So guys who have played a certain amount of minutes in the league this year. Right. I okay. think the Knicks yeah. have like yeah. five guys in like the bottom 50 of the entire league. Like that's not that can't be a coincidence. I mean, that has to be something in the water, you know? No, it's not a coincidence. No. And and see, my thing is, I, I don't, you know, and I might be spinning it off to another avenue here. I don't, people kill Jane, Mr. Dolan. I don't think Mr. Dolan is the answer. <laughs> I just don't. Well, I, I think. He's see, not working I with their shot. I'll say that. Think, <laughs> huh? He's not so working I, with their shot. Yeah. No, he's not working with their shot. But I think. I, and I might be wrong. I could be wrong. I never spoke to the guy. But I think he employs people who he, he thinks that can get the job done. And he gives them the opportunity, which, you know, they just haven't gotten it done. I mean, over the 20 years or so, these statistics that I read, you know, hiring, hiring coaches, I don't think that the coaches are the issue. I think the development with the Knicks is a problem, like a big problem. Nobody's talking about it though. Well, let, let's I, it's hey, certain, listen. It's certain draft. It's certain draft Let's talk about it now because we, you know, we talked offline a little bit about this, and you you brought up Miami as kind of the gold standard. Oh. I, I I couldn't agree more, and I hope you don't mind me, me saying this, but you were basically like they 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 bring a certain type of guy in, you know, a hardworking guy, and then. You know, this is my phrasing now. They'll turn chicken shit into into chicken salad. And then if yep. you give them chicken salad, i.e., you know, Jimmy Butler, you get, you know, what they are this year, which is a team that's going to be um, a pain in the, the rear end for anybody to play in the East. Yeah. And, and I look at the Knicks and I think, you know, more than anything, Nick fans, you know, that I, I feel like I talk to a lot, they just want that kind of thing. Like pick a direction and like, you know, focus on like, but that's what what was frustrating. Like Mills and Perry, it seemed like they wanted to get more athletic. Okay, let's get athletic guys in here. But they didn't. I never felt, and I'm curious what you feel about this. It didn't feel like they backed that up with the proper emphasis on developing those guys in other areas to take that kind of raw athletic, you know, lumps of clay and turn it into something better. Do you you get what I'm I'm getting at? I'm I'm on the same page. We're on the same sheet of music. Yep, sir. <laughs> I get what you're saying. Yeah. So I I mean I'll be curious to see which which direction they go now. Let me let me ask you this. You um you've watched you know a good deal of of Knicks basketball this year. Who are the keepers in your mind? Guys that they should continue to you know invest time, money, energy, all of the above in. You don't get rid of that young core. You add to it. I, I love it. Real. You don't break it up. You add to it. You got look. I'm I, and, and people know I work with Dennis Smith in the day back. Then. I mean, I've been with that kid since sixth grade. His dad brought him to me in the sixth grade, and I'm I'm not I'm not biased when it comes to him because he knows me very very well, and he knows I get up in his way if he, if it's something he's not doing or you know something that I see. Oh, I'm gonna point it out either to his father or to him. Bruh, don't give up on that kid, bruh. I, don't give up on Kevin. Don't give up on that young nucleus of players. I'm telling you, they got it. Those kids, people don't have no clue. When you start shuffling the deck and playing with the deck, it's not going to – you will sit there all, all night at the card table wondering why you're not winning. You know why you're not winning? Because <laughs> you're playing with the deck too long. 
explaining yeah. with it too much. Leave it alone. Just deal the talk. Okay? So you deal, you, you add, and I don't know if everybody get that analogy. Maybe no, I, I get, get it. it. When we get off, off the air. But don't tamper with the young, with the young players. Just add to it. Get the certain type of player first. Once you get a coach and you get his philosophy, then you bring in a certain type of player. But you have a young nucleus. You have a young core of guys that will bowl well for you in the future. Yeah, you know, because it's bothering me. Because the more I'm going to tell you something about Dennis, Kevin Knox, what I've seen, what I've observed, and what I've evaluated, the more they play, the better they look. What do you – I mean, Ray Charles is six feet under, and he was blind when he was living, and he can see that. That is officially so, so, the line of the podcast so point, for this year. So, so for the audience, so you're going to say, well, what's your point? I just said it 900 times probably in the last 30 seconds. So can I can I tell you a theory that I have? I have it. Here's, Give me the theory. Here's my theory. I'm going to be sharing with you, and I know you know him, all right? I know you know Dennis. Um, My theory about him is there has been, and I've said it when he's done it, it has been a lot, but there have been times this year where he looked like the kid that had everybody so excited yeah. um, when he was the number one recruit in the country. He showed flashes yeah. when he was a rookie in Dallas. He even showed some flashes yeah. when he first came to the Knicks last year. My theory is this. Yeah, when he was not the starter to begin the season, I my, again, yeah. I, have, I have literally nothing to back this up on other than my own guess. This is just my guess. Something in his mind was like he... I, not that they lost him, but like I don't, I, something's missing, and I think it has to do with the fact that he wasn't starting the year out as a starting point guard for the team. Am I again? I'll ask you. Tell me if I'm off base here, because you would know. You're not off base because Dennis knows, and he's a team guy, but he knows that the reason for the trade. He's a smart team. He knows that he was an he was a monumental. He was, I don't want, you can give me another adjective. No, he was number one. He was the number one player he, he in knew, the country in his class. He knew when he was traded to New York that he would be the guy with the ball in his hand. Yeah. Now, could he, could he make some changes where, and what I mean by that is because Dennis all his life since AAU, since high school, since college, guess what, people? He's had the ball in his hand. Yeah. So, of course, there's going to be a shift there when you don't have any offense change. You run in the middle corner, et cetera, et cetera. No disrespect to Finnis and all of them. They ran their system. Now, could Junior adjust, should have adjusted to that? Yes. Did I Do I think that the, 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 uh, the adjustment period was kind of, you know, like, like you said, like some part of it was – Mental part playing with them, yes, because he he has showed glimpses and flashes of I can be that dude. But to to pick, to go back to your your what you analyzed, yes, that took something out of him. That messed with him mentally, man. So yes, so what do we? So I, again, I, I'm an unabashed fan. I want this team to do well. I, I and it's I'm not even I'm not going to say that I, I don't. I, and I, like we we've the, seen the his NBA, talent. John, John, the NBA is in a better place if the Knicks are competitive. Oh, that goes—it goes without saying. And I think even people that hate the Knicks would agree with that. It's not differential geometry here. <laughs> so what? 
So what needs to happen? I, let's just let's talk about Smith and then we'll maybe move on to some other guys. Like, how do we get him back believing that he could be like, I'm not saying he hey, lacks for confidence. Operative word. Operative word. What? Hey, you said it. Believing. <laughs> yeah. Believing. You have to believe. Junior has to know you believe in him to get the job done. Then you will see. Get it, Smith. I, I love the inflection there. I love that. I like, that makes me because that guy's in there. Look, he's still in there. I know he's he's probably he's had an incredibly frustrating year, but guys, every night local police departments across America receive hundreds of calls from burglar alarms, and the vast majority of the time, they have no idea whether the alarm is real. Is there ever a crime going on or not? All the alarm company could tell them is the motion sensor went off. Simply Safe home security is different. If there's a break-in, Simply Safe uses real video evidence to give police an eyewitness account of the crime, which means police dispatch up to 350% faster than for a normal burglar alarm. You get comprehensive protection for your entire home, outdoor cameras, doorbell alerts um, to anyone or even approaching your house, entry, motion, and glass break sensors guard inside. It's everything you could possibly want. Plus, Simply Safe protects your home from fires, water damage, and carbon monoxide poisoning. 24-7 monitoring by live security professionals. And best of all, you could either set up the system yourself, no tools needed, or Simply Safe can do it for you. Best of all, it is only 50 cents a day with zero contracts. All you got to do, visit simplysafe.com slash overtime. You'll get free shipping and a 60-day risk-free trial. You've got nothing to lose, really. Go now. Be sure to go to Simply Safe with an I dot com slash overtime so they know our show sent you one more time that's s-i-m-p-l-i-s-a-f-e dot com slash overtime kevin knox another guy that has come under fire from a lot of the fans i've i've been more supportive of knox because um and maybe it's just because i've spoken to his dad a couple times before games his dad seems like an awesome guy he seems like a nice kid um i get the sense that he is working and that he does care um, I personally feel like he's made a little bit of progress on defense this year for as much as he's maybe taken a step back on offense. Again, is it as simple as, again, the organization showing that they believe in Kevin Knox or are there specific things that you see in his game as well that you you feel like they need to target or change or whatever? Look, I played basketball in Europe for nine years. I played in college for four years. Let me tell you something about when you know somebody believes in you especially for a young player. When you have the trust of a coaching staff and an organization, man, that's that's the world, man. Especially at that level. It's not even about it's not about the money that they they get paid. Those guys want to compete. They've been competitors all their lives. So when you you bring a kid in the office and you look him in the eyes and you tell him the truth and you say, look, man, we believe in you. We know you're gonna get it done. We want you to get better at this, this, this and this. That's it. You got it. You that's how it is at that level. Especially for young kids, young players. They're young. Man, the NBA, man, people, it's only so so many jobs. So if you got an organization, you're gonna draft me the ninth pick or whatever lottery, top half of the lottery, dude. I you if you believe in me, I mean, let me say this too. A lot of times what we what we see is a lot of these kids they get with these organizations, man, and they and they they play these head games and these mind games. Yeah. And what happens is 
that confidence factor, man, at that level, confidence, I mean, at any level, but especially at the NBA level, you lose confidence in your game and your ability, you start questioning yourself. And can I, can I jump in on, like, like, I want to jump in on Kevin Knox because Kevin Knox to me, and again, you know a hell of a lot better than me. I look at his shooting form and I'm like, how in the world is this guy hitting so few shots when his, to me, it's a beautiful stroke, right? And that has to be a between the ears thing. And I think it relates back to what you're saying. And let me say this. You took the words out of my mouth, out of my chest, and out of my heart. <laughs> between the ears. Between yeah. the ears. What people have no clue about that. They'd be like, man, he's physically gifted, blah, 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 blah. And you can, it's cliche. It's cliche. It's 90% mental. Yeah. And when you lose it, it's un, it's unbelievable the lack of confidence you have, man. Unbelievable how quickly that stuff goes. You look like a shell of yourself in an instant. You make me think about different pieces I read over, I've read over the years about you know good organizations maybe having difficult conversations with players, but conversations where they're honest. And I think. But the best organizations, and again, this, I'm an outsider, and this is me just kind of assuming based on what I read. They there is a trust, a level of trust that develops between player and organization, such that it allows you to hear maybe some of those harsh things, but at the same time, you don't question that, as you've referred to now several times. There's that belief, um, and I feel like every time I hear, you know, things about the Knicks organization. And again, you would know this a lot better than me, but I feel like it's like they not that they try to coddle, but it's like they want to and and not even like be the be the player's friend or anything. But there's I don't know. I just don't get the sense that they're approaching it the way that the best organizations do. Um, do you get what I'm I'm kind of implying here? And I I, I apologize. I don't have the yeah. right words to say it, but you know what I'm getting at? It's a small a very small percentage of guys that want to be caught up. These guys want to perform and play. Uh, but yes, uh, when 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 there when people are talking out of both sides of the net, you'll lose it. You'll lose a pro because then it won't become when you say one thing to them and then your actions are not lining up with what you're saying. You're gonna lose them because then they're gonna start looking at you cockeyed. <laughs> like, dude, you come on, man. You don't care nothing about me. Trade, trade me. That's when that stuff comes up. Trade, get me out of here. Because yeah. the level of trust is, is already broken. And, and for these young guys, man, you, you have to, you, I, I like to say, wrap your arms around them and, and just stay true to what you say to them and, and show, you know, because it's, it's the politics, man, at that level is, is, is crazy. And a lot of these guys, like, you know, you look at what Miami is doing and I always use them for an example. The Kendrick Nuns of the world. Undrafted, uh, you know, Chris Silver, undrafted guys, man. You know those guys. They're not. They're down. They're not down there just playing games with these, with these players. Not saying that the Knicks are, but I mean, I've I've been around working with NBA players for a long time, and stories that I've heard, and more often times than not, when you see a disgruntled player, a lot of it has to do with trust. A lot of it has to, has to do with dialogue that was had, and things weren't followed up on, or Things were uh, kind of like put 
put in reverse from what gotcha. stated. So it's 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 tough on a young kid when when well any guy. I mean vets too. Vets talk about it as well. You know, who to trust, what organizations to trust, and who gonna tell you the truth and be honest with you, be real with you. Well, you know what I I would like if I was in the NBA? You know yeah, what I would please. like to give you an example. What? If 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 I'm not doing everything I'm supposed to do, I would rather for you, the general manager or the player personnel guy or the president, come tell me, look, dude, this is not the right fit for you. Uh we're gonna try to get you somewhere else, blah, 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 be done with it. But give me an opportunity to be successful. But if it's not, if you've given me all these opportunities to be successful, not playing games with me, not playing the politics, hey, I get it. You know, we're trying to fit pieces and pieces of the puzzle all the time with organizations. But my point is, I would rather for you to be honest with me if I've done or reached certain benchmarks that you and I talked about and it's still, and it's still not working out. Just let me go, man. Crazy. Get rid of it. Don't sit there and hold me and play these games. Man, that's for the birds. So this is a good transition because you just brought up, you know, agents talk about this stuff. Um, Leon Rose has been as powerful an agent as, as there is in the NBA for, for going on 20 years now. The, the, the thing that I keep going back to, and I, I look, I was very open about it. I wish I, I wanted them to wait. I wanted them to hire, you know, try to go after Ujiri or Sam Presti or whoever. They didn't do that. The thing that I'm hopeful about though is that agents know where they want their clients to be because they know how to read all of the things about an organization that we're talking about right now in this very conversation, they, they, they know what they're looking for with all that stuff. My, my, my thinking is Leon Rose, having been someone who for 20 years now has directed his clients to certain places, um, would know what that organization looks like and hopefully would have an idea of how to craft an organization. Now, at the same time, he has directed many clients to the Knicks over the years when they have maybe not been. Um, the best organization and maybe, you know, and listen, a lot of this comes down as we know to dollars and cents. And when you come to New York, yeah. you're, you're, you're yeah. yeah, it's, it's, it's a, you know, it's the reason it's a, it's the best marketing city in the world. So I don't know. That's what I'm hopeful at. I don't know if you had, do you have any opinion on, on how you think Leon Rose will, you know, or just, you know, the, the idea of getting an agent to run your team in general, like where do you fall on that? I, I love the idea. Uh, like I said, piggyback off what others are doing, uh, get the right people. Like Bob Myers out at Golden State, former agent. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's just, I mean, there are some others that, that were mentioned that are up in, uh, even, uh, even though Detroit haven't, uh, had any success as of yet, uh, the agent, big time agent, uh, Used to be with 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 Wasserman. Uh, what's his name? Oh, I should know this. I'll look it up right now. But anyway, yeah. keep, keep going. President of basketball operations, uh, Arn Tellum. Oh yeah, okay. Arn Tellum. So, uh, it has been successful. Uh, Leon has got a. From what I know of him, I never. Uh, I haven't talked to Leon. Leon. Matter of fact, I'll tell you a funny story about Leon Rose. Sure. Before he was big time, he was an attorney in, in Cherry Hill up in that area. I was in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. 
back in 1995 with Gary Stackhouse. He was a rookie in at the Philadelphia 76 third pick, 95 draft. Uh, Good uh, friend of mine at, at that time. I remember. Met out of Leon Carolina. Rose. Yeah, met William Wesley. Had a speeding ticket in Cherry Hill. And Leon Rose was in my turn. <laughs> You're kidding me. Back then. True story, yes. True story. <laughs> Uh, had a speeding ticket. Talk about and, a small uh, world. Then all of a sudden, I stayed, yeah, stayed around the game, and then I kept hearing about him, hearing about him. But, uh, but I think, you know, Leon, with, with what he brings, his experience, and like you said, being able, being able to have relationships with some of the top guys, uh, I think it's, it, it's a no-brainer. But I think also who he gets around him yep. is – because you can't you, you can't do it all, and I think he I think the Knicks ha, has to look at their scouting department the way they evaluate. Uh, I think Leon would definitely take a look at the, the, the organization in its entirety and see the weaknesses and the strengths and try to make it make the weaknesses strength going forward. I think that has to be done first and foremost, and I think he's the type of guy from what I've heard and people that know him. I think that's going to be one of his uh, his starting points is really evaluating the department and getting the right people in those areas. Uh, and I think from that, then you go out to the players and coaches and stuff like that. But uh, I think it, it's just a no-brainer. Um, based on, now, I, 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 I say that based on what he's accomplished up until this point sure in, in, uh, I was about to say I I think every Nick fan out there hopes you're right and just you know it comes down to will, will you know I, I I've God knows I've, I've said it until I'm blue in the face will he have the autonomy will he have the ability to yeah, make autonomy yeah make those decisions yeah. um and, well, I'm, and I'm sure I'm sure John going in I'm sure those discussions those hard discussions were talked about because I'm knowing a guy like that knowing you know, his, you know, he's been at the top of the game and the agent game. So that guy is competitive, probably super competitive. Uh, and, and, you know, he's done it well for so long without any blemishes. And so you would, you, you would think that he would want to come into a franchise that has been struggling like the Knicks and have, you know, full autonomy to get it done. I'm sure those, those conversations probably ongoing as we speak. I really <laughs> hope so. Your lips to God's ears, let me tell you. Um, Cause no, that's what it, that's what it's, it's going to take. Um, I want to hit uh, just a couple more players before I get to one last topic before we finish up. So you did a video on Frank. Uh, Frank is maybe as different a type of player from Dennis Smith Jr. As they come. I've like a lot of Nick fans. I wish they, have gotten more time on the court together. Um, unfortunately, yeah. that that hasn't really happened. Um, yeah, I is it, I'm trying to think of the best way to ask this. Is it okay to be if because I they're so different, and yet I want to see both of those players on my team doing their best because I think they could complement each other well. And I know you feel like Frank maybe is at this point, you know, more of a role player long term. Um, but do you feel like because there's so many arguments between fans about him, do you feel like he is a valuable NBA player? You know, when it all is said and done, I I believe so. I've studied Frank Nicolina from the time of 
2016 draft up until now. I watch, you know, Knicks basketball like I do other NBA. I mean, I, I, I'm a life for league pass uh, subscriber. Thank God for league pass. I love uh, league pass. Yeah, yeah. And uh, if I'm not watching it on, on television, I mean, I'm always recording games, just watching players, you know, so it helps me to train guys. But I, I, I mean, I'm going to get one NBA guy probably every year to work out. Sure. That's just who I am. That's, I don't go out doing all this advertising and all these videos. I don't do all of that. But to answer your question, I think Dennis can coexist with Frank. Because uh, they both bring something different to the table. Dennis is dynamic. Frank is more cerebral, defender, you know, active hands. You know, I think those type of guys could, you know, I mean, Dennis and Frank can coexist. I think uh, outside looking in, if you're talking about small ball, you got six, five, you got a lengthy guard, you got an athletic guard. Why can't they coexist? I, I want to see they? it. I And I hope the organization. I want to see it as well. I hope they. I, well. I hope they don't trade any of the, these guys this summer. I, I know you know a lot of fans well, will probably want. And, and, and let me say this: I love Alfred Payton game. I love. He's been Alfred good. Game, He's been good at, at certain things. Yeah. I don't love yeah. Alfred Payton for New York. I don't love Alfred Payton for New York. I like. I like the younger guys for New York. I love. I love. I, I get what they were trying to do, but don't bring in Alfred Payton. Develop the young guys. You know you weren't going to be that good this year, but. I don't know. That behind-the-scenes stuff is unforeseen. I don't know what came into all that decision-making, blah, 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 blah. But you got Dennis. You got Frank. Why? That's a question for me. Why? Listen, Why I, I think they tried to have their cake and eat it, too, and they thought they were going to bring in these vets, and it was going to kind of create this ultra-competitive atmosphere where everybody's like – and it's just something – so you know, like you're ba- you know you're baking a cake, and you you it's like they put in salt instead of sugar, um, and you have a cake that that yeah. tastes like shit. Um, sorry to be blunt, yeah. um, <laughs> but you know we've all watched okay. this team, guys. You know what time it is? We got to talk about forecashsports.com. It is the one stop shop for all of your DFS and betting insight needs. Um. You know what it is because I've been talking about it for a few weeks. ForecastSports.com goes out and they find all of the most innovative analysis and tips and everything you could possibly want to guide your DFS betting for a particular day. They compile it. It would cost you hundreds of dollars a month. They do it for a low, low price um, of $89.99 per month if you want to sign up for a whole month. And best of all, if you, um, want to give it a shot for free you could enter the code one day that's number one d-a-y and if you like it then you enter the code nix for 25 dollars off that 89.99 per month so 89.99 minus 25 bucks it's a little less than what 55 that's that's a incredible bargain um if you want to just use it one day at a time you could sign up for a day you could sign up for a week it's basically whatever you want Best part of all, if let's say your DFS didn't go that well on a particular day, as long as you're with ForecastSports.com, you have a chance to win money every single day because they have a nightly contest for $1,000 where all you have to do is answer some questions about the biggest game of the day. You're automatically entered into that. So you could win money via their contest. You could win money via their 
DFS betting insights. It's just all kinds of different ways to win money. Um, don't forget about those codes. Free trial, number one, D-A-Y, and then uh, enter the code NYX if you want to get a month-to-month subscription. And by the way, that um, $25 off will last for the entire life of your subscription with ForecastSports.com. So one more time, it's F-O-R-E, CashSports.com, F-O-R-E, CashSports.com. No credit card required for that free trial, so give it a shot right now. I promise you will not be disappointed. Um, Mitch, uh, Mitchell Robinson, uh, you've watched the Knicks. I know you've watched Mitch. I'm a, I'm, I can't tell if I'm too, you know, drinking the Kool-Aid on Mitch sometime. He's the one guy that I question whether or not I could even be impartial about it because I'm such a big fan of him. And I'm such a believer in what he could be that I think maybe sometimes I overlook some of the flaws, um, in his game right now. If you had a summer with Mitch this upcoming summer, oh it, what is the one oh thing? God. What's the one? I want to know. What is the one thing, or if there's more than one, you could say more than one, that you would be like, okay, this is what we are focusing our summer on? All face up. Okay. Every, face up. 10 feet, 12 feet and in. He is so athletic, so fast. You develop that. You work it, work it. Period. All face up. He would be a nightmare matchup in this game, in today's game. A nightmare. Can what? you picture him right now? Oh, I can. <laughs> can you picture him catching the ball on the wing, ripping, pulling up for two, uh, pulling up off the bounce, taking people off the dribble, dunking on them? I mean, do you know what that does for the for, for the team? to galvanize a team to see a guy like him, 6'11", or whatever, with a wingspan like that, putting it on the floor? Are you freaking kidding? <laughs> I straight hope, you face know. Up. Listen, straight face-up game all summer, no chaser. <laughs> Mitch, if you're listening to this, give this man a call, please. Um, all right, <laughs> before I let you go, I have to touch on something that it really – struck a chord with me. Um, so um, Ian had uh, a question and answer with you before the season about Dennis Smith Jr. And, and you delved into the whole NC State thing. And I would encourage everybody um, who's listening to this to go back and, and read that. You could just Google Dennis Smith Jr., Sean Farmer, Ian Bagley. It, it cleared up a lot of stuff um, with that that whole thing. But you you talked about that, in your opinion, the biggest scandal – these days is the fact that they're the top athletes are not allowed to enter the professional ranks. And as a result, um, we see a lot of the stuff that, you know, it, it's every year and you were very on point about it. You're like the guys who are getting dinged on this are not the, not the head coaches, most of which who are white, but the assistant coaches who are men of color. They're the ones who relate to the player players it reminds me, I read this and it reminds me, I read, um, I'm, I'm sure you know it well, the book Foul about Connie Hawkins and that whole story back in the 70s. I, heard of it. I haven't read it, but I've heard of it. It's, I would reckon, you'd love it. I'm telling you right now, it's a, just a real great behind the scenes um, look at how that all went down. And it just, and I was reading your words about it and I always follow this stuff and I'm like, man, it's 50 years later and, and the same stuff is happening. What? <sighs> 
is there any way to fix this? Because, you know, like, you know, I'm a teacher full time and I, I see, you know, it, the system is set up to, and it, I believe this is in this is education system in, in college athletics where, you know, certain people are just constantly targets. Uh, you've been around this world for, for so long. Like what changes would you make to try to get this thing where it's more, I want to say fair and equitable um, moving forward. Yeah. Well, let me touch on this, this NC State stuff because my name was brought up in it. And like I told everybody when it all went down, look, man, I wasn't privy to every conversation Dennis Smith, Dennis Smith's dad had with whoever. I mean, I, of course I was there a lot, but, and when I started like following the trial or whatever, there was a lot of stuff that was was exaggerated and false. Uh, and people, you know, the media has a stronghold over the mass. And people believe what they read most of the time, large percentage of the time. And, you know, and our, we were advised not to say anything. We're speaking out about it now to certain people that we trust that knew uh, somewhat of the, the situation, but it was, it was, or let's say this, it has been flawed, and I'm speaking of the system, for hundreds of years. I mean, even with Lou Alcindor and all those guys, the fact that at UCLA, we have been brainwashed to, to go to these universities, to, to, this is the only way you're going to get exposure. Uh, this is, you know, this is this is visibility for you, your brand. I mean, most of us have been brainwashed. Most of us, a large percentage of us, come from single parent homes where we were raised by our mother, uh, where people can, you know, infiltrate and get to our mom, and we already didn't have anything, so you know they can kind of maneuver and manipulate the situation and talk to us about playing at these universities, these prestigious universities. First, they call us a student, then they call us an athlete. Nope, it's athlete first. Yes. Let's get that straight. Let's throw that out there. You are an athlete first. That's how they look at you. That's how they view you. You're not a student. You are a money-making match. That's what you are. Let's call it for what it is. It's black and white. It's not purple and pink. It's black and white. That's what it is. well said. We are, we are, and we have, and we continue to make money for the masses, for these people who own these schools, for these people who are athletic directors and coaches, and they pass that generational wealth down on the back of the African-American athlete. So now, here we go. Here we go. We have LeBron coming out. We have this new generation, this new wave. Taking ownership more. Enough is enough. Yes. Enough is enough. I'm fighting for my brother. I'm fighting for our right to be able to leave college and leave high school. And for those of us, a small amount of us, to make money on our likeness, to capitalize on our God-given ability to capitalize and get our families in a better situation. Get my mom who's slaving 
who's working at Taco Bell, who's working at Chipotle, two jobs, and then also goes back at night and work as a, a, a parking attendant to make ends meet. And you trying to tell me, you're trying to hold me against all the things that is not benefiting you. You're trying to tell me if I do certain things, I'm going to be penalized. I'm going to be, oh, you're selfish. Oh, you are. You need to go and get an education. Blah, 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 blah. You throw all these little things at me to make me think twice, to make me go with the status quo. No, that's not how it's done no more. People are sick and they're tired of it. And then they're using and they're pushing our assistant coaches in this scandal. If you go back and read all these publications, they highlight it. All these African-Americans, they kept across the screens on ESPN, across CNN, assistant coaches, Tony Bland, Book Richardson. Uh, so now we are, we'll push down further when it's time to go get a job at the college level, at the professional level. There's a stigma attached to us now that, ah, oh, they're going to cheat. They have no integrity. They lack integrity. Man, don't get me started. No, that's why I wanted to ask you about it because you know, I I I think about and listen. If you're if you have the talent of a LeBron James or a, a you know Carmelo Anthony or you know, any of these big guys, like it's not going to matter. But you know, I think about all of the the kids that come up and they enter this system and they're talented. They're they're big time recruits, but they kind of get. I don't want to say, I mean, it, it, no, I will say it. they get taken advantage of and they don't have the wherewithal to still, I guess, maybe hold it together. And maybe the support system isn't there to the point that they're washed out of like they never get their shot at the pros um, because no one has really had their best interests at heart. Or maybe the people that did have their best interests at heart were not the people making the decisions and, and pulling the strings. And, and, you know, that's, that's the only reason I wanted to touch on it with you, because I know I, I had a feeling you had strong feelings about this and I wanted to give you a chance to say them because I it's something that I think about a lot, too. And I, I I'm not I'm not hopeful because I feel like it's going to require essentially tearing the system down. But I don't there's too much money to be made and I just don't see that happening. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I um, but, but you know what's interesting, though? What's interesting about the things that I hear in relation to uh, should athletes get paid from people that are non-athletes? <laughs> some of the things that they say. Yes. Yeah, so, oh, yeah, yeah. If they just, if this, if we can, you remember the movie Trading Places? Oh, of course. One of the, probably, maybe I the wish, top five I funniest movies I've I ever wish, seen. I, I wish 500 or I mean, just give me a thousand people who want to volunteer and be an athlete at, at, in college and, and uh, just live, you know, get the scholarship or whatever. And then, uh, I mean, I, won't, I, I would love to trade places for, for, for a minute. I don't know how long I will have to get some, some people to get in a think tank for us <laughs> to really get it, to a, get it down to a team to really allow them to see what athletes go through to rigorous hours to come back and then no, no. And then be able to not have money to go home, which now I get it. They, they tried to appease us with the cost of attendance. 
Oh, uh, come on. And all this stuff still doesn't amount up to all the hours we put in and all the money that we could be making. But I would wish we could trade places and let them see the oodles and noodles and the negative bank accounts and, 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 uh, and the struggles at the, at the home of these athletes and the little sister or the little brother that, that have, 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 you know, that are autism, have, have autism and, and, and the things that these parents at home deal with, they can't send us money and, and they can't come see us play and they're thousands of miles away. I would love for them to see, then they have a different perspective. Then they have a different dialogue. I guarantee you that. Well, if they just trade places. I if think... Mark Emmert trade places. Oh, Mark, goodness. He wouldn't sit <laughs> so boldly and, and ask Congress to lobby. Man, you don't need Congress. It's black and white, bruh. It's black and white. It's easy to see. To money. It's easy to see for anybody who wants to see it. Um, but in order to to want to see it, you have to have perspective, and unfortunately, that's something that we're um, sorely lacking in uh, in society at the moment. Listen, I'm sure there are people that are going to be listening now, to this. Now, sec- now listen. The last the, the last part of your question was was what did I did I do I see it changing? Yeah. Is that the last part of your question? Or how, I mean, is there, other than paying, I, which I, I think they should get paid. Um, other than that, I mean, but again, I just feel like it's going to take more than that. What do you, what would you do? Um, or do you see it changing? Any, you know? Yes, it's going to change. Look, it's going to change by what we say in the South, by hook or crook. I I think I know where you're going with that. Yeah, uh, it's one way or another, basically, um, because it's 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 come I mean, to a head. If, yeah. If, if, if you want to keep that black market that's been out there for umpteen millions of years, then you're gonna all of a sudden like I it's it's like laughable with this, what's going on with I don't know if you've been following the Avenetti trial of the Nike stuff. And all sure. That. Yeah. They they did that the, the same thing as the guys from Adidas, and they get refer to the SEC. Like, are you kidding me? It's the mission of it, it's it's mind boggling, but anyway, yes, I do see it changing. And irregardless, I know they're gonna try to regulate it and cross the board and come up with all these I mean, these guys are brilliant now. They're not gonna just give in easily. Come on. There's if too much. There's too much money to be made. That they're not going to give in that easily. You're absolutely right. It, that's what it boils down to, Jonathan. Yeah. Follow the money. <laughs> when in doubt, follow, follow the, the money. money <laughs> that's all it is. Uh, follow the money. But yeah, to answer your question, yes, I do see. I, I, you know, I hope you're right. Um, I hope you're right, and I hope because it'll be better for the game. It'll be better for the kids. Um. It'll be better for their. It'll be better for everybody. It'll be better for everybody involved, um, <laughs> except the people making making the millions of dollars off of, uh, as you said, the, the the backs of everybody who who they currently are. Um, and look, not everybody's gonna like that. Uh, if and when it does come to pass, I'm sure there are people who will have some some strong opinions even listening to this. But hey, listen, um, change change happens after people maybe make some other people um, uh, uncomfortable. Let's just say that. So that's where we that's where we start. Listen, Sean, um, this was a lot of fun. <laughs> I had I had a great I love, time, really. I love. Um, I so tell folks um where they could find you, where they might see you. I know you have a, a Julius Randall video coming out coming out, right? Or yeah, Julius Randall. 
Julius Randle video coming out, and then I think my next video after that is the breakdown of Kyrie Irving, handle, shiftiness, craftiness. I mean, that's going to be really fun. Because I, I actually worked Kyrie out when he was at Duke. Really? Uh, had a had a work. Yeah. Uh, I had a session with Kyrie uh, when he declared for the draft. Good friend of mine, I was working out, Andre Dawkins. I don't know if you remember him. Sure, yeah, I remember Dawkins. A little before, before my time, but I, I remember. Yeah, Andre Dawkins, man, called me one day, and he was just like, yo, Kyrie going to join us today. I said, okay, and I'm not starstruck. I've been around pros all my life. But uh, it was one particular drill where I wanted 100 reps, and Kyrie looked at Andre Dawkins and said, is he serious? Andre said, yeah, he's serious. <laughs> I haven't seen Kyrie since. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, Next time I saw Kyrie, he was getting, he was getting drafted. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. Um, well, yeah, we, we look uh, forward to those. Um, we're, and you're on Twitter too. Um, I should probably on Twitter, Instagram, Sean Farmer Basketball, Sean Farmer BB. Yeah, I'm up there. I don't do too much promoting, man. I don't. I really don't care too much about social social media. I'm very, very old school. But you know, hey, I change with the times, brother. A little bit, man. People who promote too much, you gotta. I, I always raise an eyebrow. If you're if you're out there. Constantly talking about how great you're doing and all the work that you're doing. It's something, I don't know, that doesn't always pass the smell test for me. Um, yeah, teach is on, Chris. Teach is on. You know, I'm just not built like that. My dad taught me a lot. You know, humble and humble and hungry is the way to go. So, I, hey. Well said. Well said. Um, Sean, you have a game to see tonight uh, in Chicago. I hope it's a good one. Um, I'm I'm interested in, in how this format is going to play out. I'm I'm. I'm mildly optimistic. I'll say that. Yeah, based on past experiences, I don't think they're going to start playing until the latter part of. It. Yes, it it would. But then I, I wish the, they would add this. I wish they would add this like sumo wrestling, like at the beginning of the <laughs> game, so they can all get mad and angry at somebody get cheated. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Let's just wrestle through. That's Kawhi, not a, LeBron. That's not, not a bad idea. Dunk tank. Have one team be able to uh, throw the balls and they dunk him in a in a tub of cold water or something. Maybe that'll get there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anything. Um, all right. Well, man, I, hope I enjoyed you, it. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. It makes me happy to hear, man. This was a lot of fun for me too. Um, and uh, I, I guarantee you this. As long as your game, this will not be the last time that I that I have you on. Um, have a great time Call tonight. Any time. I <laughs> listen. I would like. I want to see what moves they make this summer, and then maybe we'll, we'll see. So you know how the beginning of next year goes, and then we'll have you back on here to, to chat about maybe did they did they get it right or are they still you know floundering? Um, it's it's only been okay. twenty years. What's the rush? Um, <laughs> all right. Have a great time tonight. Um, thank you for coming on. Thank you everybody out there for listening, of course. And we'll be back with another episode very soon. 